Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Hey friends, and welcome back to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Julie Bender. And I'm Darlene Brock. You know what's a super hot topic these days, Dar? What's that? How in the heck are we supposed to do all the things that we have in our life schedule on any given day and do any of it well. Ooh, do you mean the work-life balance? Julie, that's not these days. I mean, when I was 25, it was the same conversation. I know. It's actually a little bit annoying that we're still having the same conversation, (laughs) but it just proves that it is a real serious problem that many women face, ourselves included. It's true. And I think I found that some women overwork and then they kind of go look at me i'm superwoman they kind of wear it as a badge of honor i'm sure they're burnt out but they still wear it as a badge of honor totally which when we do that to ourselves we end up stressed out anxious burnt out and i literally have coined the phrase tangry like i get hangry that's a problem too but i get tangry like at the end of a long day where i've not had a minute i i get mean and i have to apologize to my husband later (laughs) (laughs) well i think that's true of all of us because We only have so much capacity, and so we extend it to everyone all day long in every situation and every circumstance, and then we have nothing left for ourselves or sometimes the people in our family, those that we love. Yeah, we end up missing out on moments with our kids or our spouse or our friends or our relationship with God maybe suffers or we don't get to enjoy hobbies that bring some levity and and enjoyment to our lives. Okay, I already know. Do you have a hobby? Uh, well, I mean, do you really want me to list my hobbies? It's going to make me sound very bougie. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of do right now. (laughs) I mean, working out, Uh picking out outfits, Uh watching TV. Okay. Oh, wait, and reading now. Oh, yes. I legitimately am like finding time for my audiobooks. I know, I know. I don't watch nearly as much TV because I usually just listen to a book. I think that's awesome. That is a new hobby. Yeah. But I sound very bougie. You know, the other thing that I think is a pretty hot topic is we talk about self-care, but do we actually do that in the work-life balance? Is there a way to to manage caring for ourselves in the meantime? Is there a long-term solution to balancing our lives in a way that feels (laughs) life-giving instead of (laughs) life-sucking? That's true. To discover how to take back your time, we're bringing in someone who recently wrote an entire book on the subject. Ooh, probably one I need to download and listen to. Today's guest is Christy Wright. Christy is a wife, a mom, a best-selling author, personal growth expert, and the founder of Business Boutique, an academy that equips women with the knowledge and resources they need to launch a successful business. Just reading that bio alone helps me believe that we're going to be able to get some tips that we absolutely need from Christy. Welcome, Christy. It's good to have you with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this. Last time you were with us on the show, you were pregnant with your third child. So update us. Tell us about life with your newest little one. (laughs) It's been a minute. I know. My house is messier and I have less sleep. (laughs) since I've seen y'all last. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that to be true. There were some years that I thought if I could not eat or sleep and keep going, it would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, seriously, those little kids, man, they take away take away your time and your energy. And man, they can make a mess faster than anything I've ever seen. <laughs> That's the truth. That is the truth. 
I bet that was in part some of your inspiration behind your new book, which we cannot wait to hear more about. Tell us a little bit about what led you to write Take Back Your Time. Well, sure. We, um, so I've been a business coach for over a decade. And what's so interesting is in 10 years of, of coaching all different people at all different types of businesses, the number one question I'm asked is not a business question. Mm. It's this question. How do you balance it all? How do you balance everything? How do you have the time? And I'm asked this by men and women, those that work in a career, those that have businesses, stay at home moms. It doesn't matter. Even if you have kids or don't have kids, everybody feels this pressure to do it all. Mm. And we feel like that the solution to our problem with time is just to do more. If we could just be more productive, if we could just be more efficient, if we could just multitask, wake up earlier, stay up later, have a better morning routine, or maybe a better app to help Mm -hmm. us manage it. And the truth is we try all that and we just end up exhausted. And since I have definitely experienced this in my own life with a lot of interests, a busy career, three kids under age six, I feel that strain myself. And so it was something that I wanted to not only take on this topic of balance that we can't stop talking about, even if we hate the word, (laughs) and I only want to take it on to help people with it, but I wanted to get to the deeper issues going on with it because there's so much guilt in this space. People are walking around every day feeling like they're failing Mm -hmm. and they're not. And so that's why I love the tagline, the guilt-free guide to life balance. I want to help you shake the guilt so you can actually enjoy your life. Well, let's start with what are the catalysts? What are the causes of the out of balance part of our life? Well, I think first we get the the word wrong. So we think balance is a 50-50 split. We think it's doing everything all the time. And so I redefine life balance in this book as life balance is not doing everything for an equal amount of time. It's about doing the right things at the right time. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you actually feel that sense of balance you've been looking for. And it turns out it looks more like peace, being confident in your choices and, and being proud of how you spend your time for once and for all. So, but we need to understand what gets in the way of that. Like what keeps us from doing the right things at the right time. I think there are four main causes. Number one, we're doing too many things. Number two is the opposite. We're not doing enough things. Number three, we're doing the wrong things. And number four, we're not doing the right things. And all of those are slightly different. Different people might struggle with different ones, but all of them keep us from doing the right things at the right time, which leads to that tension, that stress, that anxiety in our chest, where we just feel like something's not right because it's not, but we need to understand what gets in the way of that. Okay. So if we understand why we're feeling this way, how do we begin to find that elusive thing we may or may not crave balance? Well, you make a good point because it is an elusive topic. We don't know what balance is. We're just sure we don't have it. We don't know what we're (laughs) supposed to do with our time. We're just sure we're doing the wrong thing, right? Like it's this shadow that haunts us. And so I redefine balance in the book as life balance is doing the right things at the right time. And the good news is you get to decide what's right for you. Mm. So a very simple question you can ask yourself, and we can unpack this if you want to, but the way to summarize what I'm pointing you towards in the book is what's right right now? What's right right now? What's right right now in this season? What's right right now this week? What's right right now today? When you ask yourself that question, you're gonna come up with such a different and better answer for what you should be focusing on, what you should be spending your time and energy on. A good thing at the wrong time is a bad thing. Or something that someone else's good thing is not necessarily the right thing for you. And so it's just such a great question to cut out all the distractions, 
all the guilt, all the obligation, all the opportunities, even the fun things that you might have FOMO about and just boil it down to what is right for me. What's right for you when you are a new mom with a newborn is different than what's right for someone that is right out of college trying to build their career is different than someone starting a business is different than someone that's an empty nester. Mm -hmm. What's right right now when you look at the season you're in, when you look at what's right through the lens of your season, what's important to you in the season of life, in the stage of life, even the season of the year, you're just going to get such a better answer. And you're not only going to be able to focus your time on what's right right now, you're going to shake the guilt for all the things that are not right right now, knowing that just because something's not right right now, doesn't mean it's never right again. And so I just want to boil it down to that. But in the book, I, I lay out five tactical steps to help you do that, where I really break this question down into uh, actionable steps. Cause I love making things tangible because balance is this elusive thing. Like let's define it. Here's the new definition. And then let's talk about tactical steps to achieve it. And so I'll really walk you through how to identify what's right right now and spend your time on it. Before we start tackling those steps, I just want to say this, Christy, in the world of comparison, in the world of social media, where you think whatever they're doing, I should be doing, or look what if they're doing what I'm doing, I should do it like they're doing. I love that you have just removed that and instead replaced it with what is right for you in that time. And it really has to yeah. be more about timing and you as well. I think it has to be a combination of those. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and there's a real, there's a very freeing message in this that you have permission to change your mind. Mm. You have permission to change your plans. You have permission to change your priorities. Don't beat yourself up in November that you're not doing your January new year's resolutions. Things might have changed. Don't, don't beat yourself up on Thursday that you didn't do what you thought you would do when you set some goals on Sunday and you were bright eyed and bushy tailed and had all kinds of energy. <laughs> when things change, things need to change. And so you have permission to change your mind and consistently assess what's right right now, what's right for me today, this week, this season. And, and that's just gonna give you the permission to focus on it and shake the guilt for all the things that are not right. Love it. Okay, I'm already feeling a little less guilt-ridden, so that's a huge plus. <laughs> I love that, mission accomplished. <laughs> right? So, okay, give me my first step that I really need to identify how to help me take some more time. Yeah, so if you're gonna do the right things at the right time, you need to know what the right things are. And so the very first step in the path to balance that I lay out in this book is decide what matters. So what are those right things for you? The way that I explain it in the book, it's probably most people have seven to 10 things that are important to them in their life in general. So from family to fitness, church, you know, house projects, travel, hobby, whatever. We probably have seven to 10 things roughly in, in terms of categories, but you can't do seven to 10 things at a time, all the time, every day or every week or even every season. Right. And so I encourage people to prioritize where you choose, okay, what are the top three to five things that I'm going to focus on in this season or this week and so on. And so when you choose those three to five things, you're simply saying, hey, this is what's right right now. This is the season that I'm in. This is what's most important to me right now. It doesn't mean these categories, these other categories don't matter. It just means in this season, what's right right now are these things. So let me give you an example. In the summer, it was a lighter season for me. So things were just a little bit easier. Work is slower in the summer. My kids are off school. It's just easier time of year. And so more things can make the cut. Five or six things might get my time. So I was, you know, taking Fridays off. I was working out. My house was pretty clean. I spent time with my kids. I got some work done. Five or six things made the cut in the summer. 
right. This is different now. I am in the fall. <laughs> I'm launching a book. I'm in seminary. And so because I'm in a busier season, less things make the cut. So three things, three are really what are getting my attention right now. Number one, launching the book and work. Number two, my kids and family. And number three, being in seminary. So the implication of this is huge. I've decided of my 10 things that are important to me, these three are going to get the focus. They're going to get the attention. They're going to get the time. And so I walk throughout my house and my house is not as clean as I would like. And I'm not working out and I'm not spending time with my friends. I don't feel guilty and beat myself up. Yeah. I might start to, cause I'm so tempted to have that tape in my head. Like everyone is, like, Oh, you're failing. And I remind myself, no, you're not failing. This is what, not what's right right now. A perfectly kept house is not what's right right now. What's right right now is reading 300 pages a week on revelation in seminary. <laughs> That's what's right. And right. so you turn your attention towards what is right. So the very first step is decide what matters of your seven to 10 categories, or even more specifically, what matters in this season for sports. For me in the spring, getting my kids to swim, it's pretty specific. Mm. But if you don't know what matters, you can't make it happen. So the first practical step is decide what matters. What are your priorities? What's right right now? When you know what that is, then you can begin to take steps to spend your time on it. I love that. And I think letting go of everything else and really not caring about it, just saying right. it's not important. Okay. It's not Step, the right time. That's no, right. it's not. It's not the right time to clean my house. That might be right. a long-term goal right there. Um, <laughs> right. But all right, what's the next step? What's the next thing we need to do, Christy? Step two, stop doing what doesn't matter. We think we need more time. We do not need more time. If we had more time, we'd cram more crap in. What we need to do <laughs> is spend the time we have on the things that actually count, Very which true. means the things that are right for you. So if, if we can go through our calendar, our to-do list, and almost take an audit and say, which of these things are not right right now? Which of these things are not important? I'm doing out of guilt or obligation or, or FOMO, or just cause it sounds fun, but it's really not a priority right now. If we can cut that stuff out, we will free up so much time for the things that do matter. And some of it can be obvious, like time sucks, like scrolling your phone. Some of it's less mm. obvious, like good opportunities that sound fun, but it's just simply not the right time for them. Right. And so when we can cut some stuff out, man, it's going to reduce our stress. No longer, it's not just that we're not exhausted running ourselves ragged and we're doing less stuff. It's not even just that. It's when we spend our time on the wrong things, it's even more exhausting because yeah. it's not right for us. So it yeah. takes more energy, more effort. We dread it. We resent it. We, we have anxiety in our chest because it's just not right. Mm -hmm. So again, a good thing at the wrong time or a good thing for someone else that's not right for us can be the wrong thing for us. I want you to cut out what doesn't matter and you will free up a lot of time for those things that do. I think somebody is probably listening and thinking, man, that sounds so freeing, but what do I do with when I choose something that others might think should have been cut or vice versa? How do you deal with that comparison or the judgment of, of others when you're trying to be brave enough to let some things go? I love this question. It depends on who the other is. Mm. So if the other is your spouse, that matters. Mm. And so actually at the end of every chapter of my book, I have journal questions for reflection and I have a challenge. And many of the challenges is to talk to your spouse if you're married or your kids, if you have kids, if they're old enough to talk about this about these things because when you walk down the aisle you decided to spend your life with this person which means your time yeah. so if you decide you're going to spend your time in one way that has a direct 
effect on the people you that live in your household with you that you are responsible to and with and so on. So if the person that doesn't agree is your spouse or someone that you've agreed to share your time with, that's a conversation you need to have. And you both need to come together just like on a budget or anything else where both people's values are represented and you find a compromise where you're not a doormat, but you're also not a bulldozer in that, in that conversation. Now, if the person is someone else, if the person is just an outsider, a friend, either, even I would argue, now this is a very American individualistic culture mindset. So that's, a, that's my value system I'm speaking from here because there's cultures that would disagree with this. Okay, we're, we're multiple generations live in a household right. and you are responsible to right. your extended family. We, we don't live like that typically here in the United States and I don't personally live my life by like that, that. So if someone disagrees, whether it's a friend, a family member, whatever, and they don't like how I'm spending my time. Okay, I'm pausing for effect here. <laughs> that is their problem, it is. not mine. Mm -hmm. That's their problem, not mine, because they have a life. Yeah. And they can spend that life however they want to. They don't get a say in how I spend my life. One of the things I say again and again and again in this book, I beat this drum over and over again because I want my reader to get it. This is your life. That's right. No one gets to tell you it should be important to you. So outside of your household that you've chosen to share your life with, everybody else that has an opinion on why do you do this or that, or we really need you, or you really should, well, you're really good at it. Well, no one can do it like you can do it. Well, we really need volunteers. Well, you really should. Well, I hope you'll make every effort to attend. That's their problem, not yours. Mm -hmm. I and feel so like you I... can be kind and respectful when you decline, but if they're going to have the nerve to ask you, you have to have the nerve to say no and protect your life because again, it is yours feel like I want to do a standing ovation on that one. Like, Julie and I just got to stand up and start applauding that one, Christy. It's a good one. Good job. All right. So how do we, let's go back to, we're going to take it back. What are some practical things that we need to do to start taking back your life? Sure. So we, we, I walk through five steps in the book. Step one, we talked about decide what matters. Step two, stop doing what doesn't matter. Step three is pretty tactical. Create a calendar that reflects what matters. Mm -hmm. We fill our calendars with meetings, appointments, fitness appointments, soccer practices. And then we're confused when all these things we identified in step one don't happen. Yeah. Whether it's more sleep, an earlier bedtime, a date night, a workout, quiet time, does hobby, whatever. We're so confused when they don't happen, but they don't happen because we did not put them on the system we've chosen to live our lives by. Mm -hmm. We live by our calendar. So if you want them to happen, they need to go onto that system you live your life by. So that literally means blocking time for quiet time, blocking time to go walk with your kids after school. It, there's something about putting it onto a calendar on paper or on your phone, however you do it, that clicks your brain into gear. When it sees it, it knows it's real. When it doesn't see it, it doesn't see it as real and it doesn't do it. And then at the end of the day, you didn't do any of those things that you wanted to do that were important to you. And you thought, well, I'll do them when there's time left over. And there's never time left over. Right. So it's mm -hmm. very tactical step of take those things that matter to you and put them on your calendar and watch how they actually start to happen. Is there anything? Okay. So I put it on my calendar. Now I'm going to do it. I've held space for it. That means I value it. I maybe, you know, I'm having that shared calendar with the people that matter. What's the next practical thing that I need to do to really begin walking this out? Yes. So as we're tracking here on this path, step one, decide what matters. Step two, stop doing what doesn't matter. Step three, create a calendar that reflects what matters. Step four is to protect 
what matters. And that means that you're going to learn how to say no and set boundaries. Because even if you create the most perfect schedule in the world, other people will try to chip away at you. And even in your own nature, you might try to compromise. Oh, I'll say yes, this, oh, I'll pick up my phone. Oh, I'll get distracted here, there, and the other. So the boundaries is not just to protect your, your version of balance and what matters from the outside world, pushing you around and chipping away at it. It's even to protect you from yourself. Mm. I have boundaries in place to protect me from myself. I put <laughs> my phone in a box when I walk in the door, because if it's in my hand or in my eyesight, I pick it up and stare at it like a lunatic and I don't <laughs> look at my kids and I want to look at my kids when I'm home from work. And so I put boundaries in place to protect me from myself. And so there are practical things you can do to set boundaries. Maybe you protect Sunday nights. Maybe you say five to seven, there's no phones in the house. Maybe you put a limit on screen time or video game time, or I don't know what that is. Maybe you have a date night every Thursday. When you set some boundaries, of course, you could always break your own rule if something comes up and you want to, but it just helps you do what you say you want to do and be the person that you want to be. All of us need that accountability. And it's not something that limits you. It's actually something that helps you. I think reminding ourselves as we're holding those boundaries and setting those calendar items that this is what I'm doing to actively give myself the freedom and the benefit of feeling like I'm, I'm getting to the things that matter to me most. I, That's right. I'm imagining that it's easier said than done, but once we start actively practicing these things, we'll begin to see the fruit. Yeah, exactly. It's just a habit. It's once you get in the habit, it gets easier. But at first, the first time I walked in and put that phone in a box, it was a little weird. And then I would forget a few times. And now it's just, it's just habit. And so it, it does get easier over time. Well, and I think breaking a habit that is yours is probably one of the hardest things to do. You could put parameters on other people, but to say, I'm putting my phone in a box, I, I would right. probably forget where the box was. I'd be in right. real trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so true. All right, Christy, you've taken us this far. Give us the last step that we need to take back our time. This one may be my favorite. And I think this is probably one of the most important in terms of feeling balanced. So decide what matters, stop doing what doesn't matter, create a calendar that reflects what matters, protect what matters. Step five, be present for what matters. Mm. Because even if you create the most perfect schedule in the world, if you're not present for it, you miss it. Yeah. So I want to help people flip their focus to be where your feet are, wherever you are, be there. And as simple as that sounds, we don't do it. Right. We're either lost in our phone. We're scrolling social media. We're trying to multitask to do 15 things at one time. Our mind is wandering to what we need to do next and what we just got finished doing. And we are not present in our bodies. And I know this is crazy, but when you bring your mind back to your body and it takes practice, mm -hmm. a lot of practice in our distracted, connected culture. Research shows you are actually happier, regardless of the activity you're participating in. This is research from Harvard that's fascinating. Our mind was created to be in our body. And when we remove our mind from where we are, we feel more scattered, we feel more anxious, we feel more distracted, and we feel a lot less balanced, not to mean less, not, not to mention less happy. And so I want to help people practice being present where you flip your focus to look through the front windshield of where you are instead of the rearview mirror of what you've just left behind and always feeling guilty for where you're not and what you're not getting to so being present is a huge piece of you getting to experience moments while you're actually in them which is a rare thing but then even enjoy them more and be proud of them 
I think you just hit my, oh my word, that's really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. my mind is always somewhere else. My mind is always in what I need to do yet or what's coming up or I'm concerned about this issue rather than being right there, right then at that moment in time with the people that are in front of me. That's a challenging one for me, Christy. It is. It takes practice. One of the questions I've started asking myself, and this is so simple, I ask it in this way because the question answers itself. What is in front of me? I practice asking myself that all day. What is in front of me? Right now, I get to have this conversation with you guys. And so I'm fully present with you in the moment. I have nowhere else to be, nothing else I'm thinking about. Tonight, when I go home, what's in front of me? My kids. When I think about my kids, I'm not going to think about work, emails, this conversation, any of that. So when you just continually train yourself, what's in front of me? It's so interesting. You can even be doing something that's not fun. Let's say you're waiting in line to check out at Target and you think, what's in front of me? You can let out a deep breath. You can take a deep breath. You can feel less anxious because you are being present in the moment. Even if the present moment isn't super exciting and fulfilling, mm -hmm. there's something about bringing your mind back to your body that makes you feel less stress and more alive. And I know that sounds all woo woo. I'm not one of those woo woo people, <laughs> but like research backs this up. Yeah. Our mind was created to be in our body, but in our world where everything is screaming at us, pulling our mind away, we have to work hard to bring it back. This is so good. I just, I literally wrote that question down on my paper for me to begin purposefully asking myself because I know for me I'm a newlywed I'm coming up on my one year anniversary I'm you know I've been trying to kind of slow my mind and schedule in life to enjoy you know my family more but um, this intentional choice to focus where I am enjoy what's in front of me um, you know especially with the other steps in mind I think that really will be the key for all of us to enjoy more of our lives I want to ask you one more question here, Christy, and that is uh, being able to remove the guilt side of this, because you talk about being guilt-free, when we're not with our kids and we're focusing on our business or writing a book or, you know, just our spouse or something else, it seems like so often we think, are our kids okay without us? Are they dealing with life well without us? Don't they need us ever present or at least to be thinking about them? But surprisingly, they do pretty darn good when we're not there, <laughs> especially if we pay attention to them when we are. Right. Well, there's two pieces to this. So the, the, the one piece of doing the right things at the right time, if you have decided that, let's use the business example, if you've decided that the business is the right thing in the season or the right thing on this Monday or whatever the time frame is, then it's not just about doing it. You, you do do it, but then you have to acknowledge that it is right to remind yourself that it is right. Hey, I'm doing these right things. And again, going back to the being present, you're going to flip a switch and be where your feet are and be in your business and not think about your kids. See, this is for me. For years, I realized that so much of my guilt came from one consistent place and it was focusing on where I was not. When I was at work, I was thinking about my kids. Are they okay? Did I, do they miss me? Did I forget their snack? Am I a bad mom? I'd go home and I'd think about work. I forgot the email, forgot the project, forgot the deadline. I was always focused on where I was not. Well, if you live your whole life this way, of course you feel guilty because you're always focused on where you're not. So that's the big piece of this step five to flip your focus to be where your feet are, where you look through the front windshield and you literally train yourself to not think about that place that you are not because it actually doesn't serve our kids 
to think about them whenever we're not with them. They're fine. If you've determined they're fine and you've taken care of them, they're at school doing whatever with the child care, whatever, and you're doing what's right, then it, it all it does when you think about the place that you're not is it makes you feel guilty, does not help them at all, and robs you of the moment that you're in. Now, I will call out one thing. If you're not doing the right things, let's say someone is working in a full-time job that they hate. That's hard to go to work every day. Hating the thing that they're doing and missing their kids. They don't want to be present because they don't even want to be there. I talk about this in the book, but you will never feel balanced if you spend a large portion of your time doing something that you hate. You don't need to work out, walk out on your full-time job tomorrow, but you need to make a note that you're going to start to look for something different because that comes down to doing the right things at the right time. If you're spending a lot of your time doing something that's not right, like a job that you hate, then that's where some of that strain comes from. So I want to help you make some changes to do something that is right for you, whether it's a business or a different job, where when you go to that thing, you're actually glad to be there. You're present for it, but it's also the right thing. So it's not just doing the right thing. It's acknowledging that it's right and being present for it and flipping that switch to be where your feet are. It seems like such a subtle shift, but it's literally like astronomically huge and simple and I'm sure very effective. So thank you so much, Christy, for coming, taking your time to be with us to give us these five steps that we can begin to implement. I'm sure everyone's going to want to pick up your books and really begin to you know, work through what this is going to look like for their own individual lives. At least I know I will be doing that. Oh, yes, me too. Well, y'all are awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Christy. So Christy gave us a lot to think about, but you know what? You can actually find that in the book of Psalms too, Psalm 127 too. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. So we're encouraged even scripturally to find rest and to take back our life, right, Julie? That's right. I know I will be processing through these steps that Christy told us to take. First, decide what matters. Second, stop doing what doesn't matter. Then create a schedule that reflects what matters, protect what matters, and lastly, be present for what matters. If you want more insight from Christy, I strongly encourage you to hit the show notes where you can find the link to her book, Take Back Your Time. You can also follow her along. We'll put all of her social links down there as well. I hope you feel encouraged from today's episode that life balance isn't something you do, it's something you feel. And the good news is you can feel balanced even in your busy life. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.